pretty calm. I know that there's always the 24 hour Christmas story going on. And so my, that's my dad's favorite movie. So that will I had never seen that movie until this last year when the Claussons were here <laughs> celebrating Christmas because they apparently just have that on all day while mm-hmm. they're doing Christmas. And I had never seen the movie because my parents oh, don't so really good. like it. <laughs> so funnily enough, I had seen the musical, like the stage show, but I oh, hadn't right, seen right, the movie. Right. And so they turned it on last year and I was just kind of like, this is what this movie is. I could have guessed that. <laughs> Such a classic. Friends, future Jenna here jumping in as always with our trigger warnings. As usual, in the very beginning of the episode, there is brief mention of alcohol. And later on in the episode, we do have a brief discussion about family holiday traditions and families getting together for the holidays. Obviously, this year is very different than past holiday seasons, and we do say it during that discussion as well, but we want to make it very clear that we here at the same page take everything virus-related very seriously. We are getting our tests and following all guidelines and overall being very cautious. Please do your part by wearing a mask and staying socially distant if you go out. And if you are considering getting together with loved ones this holiday, please get tested for the virus beforehand so that we can keep everyone safe and stop the spread as much as we can. And with that, let's jump on into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Book Club Style podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dana. And I'm Jenna. Two high school friends reconnecting for the joys of reading. Now, when it comes to our tastes and opinions on a good book, sometimes they may differ, but sometimes, sometimes we just might be on the same page. Yes, welcome back, and welcome to our book discussion, our first discussion for the month of December. But before we dive headfirst into our first Christmassy read and our full breakdown of that, I have a bang hair in my eyeball. (laughs) Dana, do you want to go ahead and start us off with what you're drinking? Yes, so again, just coffee today, because I spent... I had a nine-hour shift yesterday at work and then came home to read all night, got to about three o'clock in the morning and decided, okay, I'll just wake up early instead to finish. So this is, this is helping me keep going. (laughs) Uh, Before we started recording, Dana was saying it's the same mug that he had last week with whatever, like, (laughs) follow your dreams. Yeah, the weird inspirational quote. (laughs) quote. And it's very like Instagram influencer of him where it's a random picture, but just a super inspirational quote that actually means nothing. Right. It was, it was handed to me. I didn't have choice of mug today. (laughs) What was, what's always funny is that when I do take pictures for the Instagram, uh, and the few that I have like a coffee cup for the morning, uh, the Monday coffee posts. And I have like one of the cups from my mom's cabinet she always wants to like and be like i have the same mugs and i'm like mom those are my photos they are your mugs so every time (laughs) she's about to and goes oh wait this is a dana post this is me yeah sure is uh and then i actually have the same drink as last week too i have another hot toddy sort of hot toddy but with earl gray tea as well Mm -hmm. just to make it a little bit less of the 
alcohol taste. <laughs> and then this month, our first read, go ahead and hold it up here. Block some of the light. For the uh, again, for those of you on the YouTubes, we read The Candy Cane Caper by Josie S. Kilpack. For those of you who can't see the cover, it is super, super cute. It's just <laughs> white with a little Christmassy cup of it looks like cocoa on the front and then it has a blue and white almost candy cane type of pattern in the back it's just very cute publisher for this one is shadow mountain paperback uh, original copyright year that i found was 2019 so just last year and the copy it looks like that dana and i both have is 301 pages I did not realize, like like we said, going back and re-examining the cover, I did not realize the little broken ornament in the title yeah. itself. And I was like, oh my god, details. S- super cute. <laughs> well, little broken ornament. I noticed oh, I that, that. Uh, when I first got my hands on the paperback, <laughs> which was not all that long ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you got it Friday, right? Yes, it it came in the mail either Thursday night or Friday morning. Okay. And we are recording this on Sunday. <laughs> so. And yet ooh. I still finished the book before Dana did. And I would uh, like everyone to be yeah. aware of that. I was, I was going to make them aware. I was going to just say like literally right, uh, like I'd say 20 minutes before we were about to start something. No, like 15 before we started our session. Jenna texts me and goes, all right, you ready? And I, I had just closed the book and was like, all right. I'm all set. Let me take a very quick shower, and I'll be up on the on the computers. <laughs> uh, but with that shaking head, I will dive into rereading the back flap so that people can be resummarized on what this book was about. Uh, it is the thirteenth of these Sadie Hoffmiller mysteries, the main character, which doesn't think it makes anything important. They don't feel connected, really. It's kind of like those standalone adventures. Yeah, mysteries doesn't usually matter too much. Uh, Just about any detective stories you can typically read out of order. And I would say that's very much the case with this as well. The only thing you would miss is uh, a couple of background characters with, like, her husband. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. you, I would assume, get more of the background on their relationship since it seems like they get married in one of the books. Yeah, I think it's the book before this one. They, she makes a reference twice Yeah. about, I won't go into it, about the wedding being a little hectic and that makes me want to go read that one. Yeah. <laughs> so. And so stuff like that. And then there's one or two other characters that you can tell you've met before if you've read mm-hmm. the full series, but that it gives you all of the information you need as far as their involvement in this story. So right. this one, not important to read in order, no need, I would say. No need to pick up the others. All right. So this Christmas, Sadie Hoffmiller Cunningham is making a list and checking it twice. For the first time since she and Pete married five years ago, their combined families are gathering for the holidays in Fort Collins, Colorado, for a party that would make Santa and Mrs. Claus proud. She just has to bake the famous Cunningham candy cane cake, make sure the looming snowstorm doesn't derail everyone's travel plans, and, oh yes, solve one teensy tiny mystery before the big day. At 94 and nearly blind, Mary, Sadie's friend and neighbor, knows this will be her last Christmas. When Sadie learns that someone has stolen antique Christmas ornaments off Mary's tree, she vows to find the thief no matter what. The ornaments had been appraised at more than $40,000, but they were worth even more to Mary, who had intended to bequeath them to her great-granddaughter Joy as a final gift. 
With Pete in Arizona wrapping up a case of his own, it's up to Sadie to question the residents of Nicholas House, where Mary lives, and deduce who had the means and the motive to steal heirloom ornaments during what should be the most wonderful time of the year. When stories of other thefts surface, Sadie feels like she's creating a naughty list that could rival Santa's. Identifying the thief, recovering the ornaments, and restoring them to Mary's tree in time will take a Christmas miracle, and maybe a few extra special cookies. That's such a cute synopsis. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> before we jump in even to why you chose this book, mm-hmm. I just want a quick, like, yes or no, like, no details given at all. Did we guess the ending before we got there? And if so, when in the book? Like, a third, half quarter of the way through you know whatever that mm-hmm. kind of thing so did you guess the ending no like like the like the answer to the mystery yeah like no. the who done it i thought i had a plot twist coming and i was so far off i think it was more past a third probably like maybe a fourth something happened that made me go oh this is gonna be it and then the ending streamlined that yes this was the answer <laughs> gotcha so that was more information than i asked for sorry because uh, <laughs> we'll get into it i failed and this one i'm sure we will do a spoiler talk of the ending but that'll just mm-hmm. be probably 20 minutes at the end it'll be right. real quick for this one uh so i did guess the ending it was a about, I would say, halfway or maybe just a little bit past that. <laughs> oh, anyway, do you want to give a brief... We did most of that discussion already in our check-in, mm-hmm. but do you want to give a brief summary again of why you chose this one, since this was your uh, December pick? Yeah, so because we had settled on we wanted Christmas-themed books, so I typed in Christmas-themed books, and a lot of them were romances, which we had already done two of. I wanted mm-hmm. to avoid that. And so I tried. And part of it was we wanted to try and make sure both of the books we were going to do this month were going to be different genres. Like, yeah, I didn't then, after he picked this one, want to pick a contemporary romance that takes place during Christmas because I didn't want them to feel too similar. Yeah. So I was trying (laughs) to find something different. So I said, okay, we've done some thrillers. Let's see if I can maybe just find like a mystery themed at Christmas. And most of them were dark murder mysteries. And I was like, okay, not let's not go dark There's again. There's a lot of <laughs> horror and thriller books set during Christmas. And I'm it's very... almost upsetting. Like, who hurt these authors? <laughs> I'm very interested to read some of them, but that's Did all I saw. Did they get cold in their stocking? Like, what, maybe. what maybe. caused this? <laughs> and so I was just scrolling on Amazon for an idea of like, okay, give me Christmas-themed books. And then this one seemed, I, this exact cover popped up, the Candy Cane Caper, and it just said mystery. It didn't look dark, didn't look bloody. And I was like, okay, I think this is the one. And the plot just sounded cute and simple. It was like, where are the Christmas ornaments? That sounds sweet. Yeah. It's going to be very hot. And the fact that- I love a cozy where the stakes are so low. Right. Like <laughs> you find out that these ornaments are incredibly- valuable not just sentimentally but also monetarily like they're very expensive ornaments because they are antiques and so there are high stakes in that sense but like she's interviewing people to see who stole (laughs) christmas ornaments off of a christmas tree in a nursing home and so to a certain extent the stakes are just they're so low right and you get to just be along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. And so reading that synopsis, I was like, okay, this sounds 
simple. This sounds calm. This doesn't sound like hair raising. So I was like, okay, this is, I think what I'm going to settle on. And I got it to Jenna pretty early. I was just like, okay, we're going to do Christmas theme. Let me look. And so all of them were these bloodied covers with like Santa's jacket ripped up or something. I was like, what are all these? And so then I saw this little artsy cover. I was like, okay, this is it. This will do it for me. (laughs) Yeah. And it worked out. So did you enjoy it overall? It took a little bit. For a (laughs) while, it... I'd say the buildup was a bit slow because I expected it with the fact that it was 300 pages and I was like, okay, it's going to get going about a mystery. It was, it took a little bit to really just kind of hook me in. I was fine with the main character. I was fine with the side characters. There was some comedy and some sass in there that I liked, but I was like, all right, but can we get into the mystery? And so I'd say about- In that sense, it is worth noting, I think, the entire book takes place over 48 hours Right. And so about halfway through that first day is when the ornaments are stolen. And Mm -hmm. so it is just under a quarter of the way through the book, I would say. It's about mm, maybe page 75, 80 when stuff really like starts happening and the investigation starts in earnest uh, just because it takes place in such a short amount of time. Yeah, and so that's and that's why I thought I was like, okay, it's it's we're they they're right before Christmas, and the whole point is to get this done before Christmas. So I expected it to be kicking off real fast, but yeah, it it took me I'd say probably about halfway through the book for me to feel fully immersed into the story. Okay. Uh, and I only know that because last night I was only about just under halfway, and then when I I'm got sorry. past, when did you start reading this book? That last night you were just under halfway. Oh, I started a while ago. Uh, I did start a while ago. Like I said, it just, (laughs) it was slow for me. I had a hard time getting sucked into it. But when I hit the halfway mark, something clicked and I felt, I felt this uh, push. There was all of a sudden this urgency to figure out who took these damn ornaments. And then even I was like, I want my ornaments back. (laughs) And so for me, it was about 50% is where it finally got me happy and hooked. Sure. I did not quite have that problem. Maybe that's just because I read Cozy Mysteries, and so it's a format that I'm more used to than you are. Right. Um, So I'm not sure. Maybe that's part of it. But, yeah, I would say, I think partially, I really liked the characters that we got introduced to right from the beginning. Yeah. And so I liked reading about them. Poked my microphone. Uh, I liked reading about them even before the mystery and the investigation started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that might be why. But yeah, I, I did not have that problem. I read this book in about 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, it, and it may be just that that genre where maybe I was expecting it to be more like a bigger mystery. So the fact that it was the idea I chose it because it was such a calm book, I think realizing of literally how like you said, calm and low stakes this is, that I was just kind of like, huh. I, w- yeah. I wanted more I wanted more energy. At no but point it got to that point. in this book and very, very infrequently in Cozy Mysteries, is it going to be life or death? Or, no, you know, no, is it going like to be that. racing the clock more so than this <laughs> one was? Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just, and I didn't, I didn't, they're cozy. They wrap you up and they're like, we're going to figure yeah. it out together. Yeah, and I didn't expect it to be so 
against the clock because there there is a clock but not one that would kill anyone and so it just for me it was like all right we're cruising we're cruising and i'd say probably after the mall (laughs) that's where for me it picked up i'm gonna talk about that later because the mall scene was my favorite scene (laughs) Um, it was cute so i'm gonna talk about that one later but uh yeah that's fair so that the mall scene happens like you said about halfway but it's also the end of the night of the 23rd and the whole goal is to get the ornaments by the time that mary her friend uh whose ornaments they are and her granddaughter come back from mass at about Mm -hmm. three or so in the afternoon on christmas eve so that is when it goes down into less than 24 hours. Yeah. From, you know, the big ending, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> the big, yeah. And and that's the thing with the plot is like, yeah, and it is very simple. Everything you hear about on the on the back cover is exactly how it is. Is It's just, you know, it opens with it's the holiday season. It's kind of just Sadie as a one woman, you know, well, kind of just like, not just one woman detective, but one woman powerhouse of trying to get everything ready for all the family and all of that. Yeah. So you get this nice. Sweet I related dis- to that really hard. <laughs> uh, before again, before we started recording, yeah. Dana and I were talking about how busy my week is this week. <laughs> so we're getting things ready for Christmas. I have lots of orders going out for my shop. We're packing because we're gonna be out of town for a couple of days next week which is part of why we're pre-recording yep so just a busy week i related to that part a lot well because it was funny because like as the build-up which i feel like would i would love to see how all this came together in like the previous books but when she talks about the family there's you know she's got kids she's got grandkids you know from her and and most of them are from her and her husband's first spouses and stuff yeah from first spouses and stuff like that and so it's uh, but they're all still so close and all that. And just when they kept listing off all the names, I was just like, I'm not going to be able to keep track anymore. I just know that you've got a lot of kitties. <laughs> yeah. Big family, big family Christmas. But um, yeah, and th- the story flows very easily where it's just, you know, of course she realizes the issue um, of the missing ornaments and then she just takes it upon herself. And what's kind of cool is that she, Sadie is so, cause she's retired at this point of being mm-hmm. a private investigator. And so you can tell yeah, she she's even... a, a retired PI turned cozy mystery. Uh, Writer. Yeah. Yeah. Novelist. And well, it's funny because, well, and it's funny because it almost sounds meta when she describes that, because when she like, at one point she does kind of describe the mysteries or something like that. It sounds like she's talking about of literally just the other books. And so it literally just, she feels is, like, I think. Yeah. Kind of a so, lemony snicket type thing where it's like, I'm writing the book that you are reading. You know? Yeah. And so that, that was really cute. Um, and then, yeah. And she just goes on with the mystery going down the rabbit hole, you know, checking off every list. She is a big fan of lists. She makes that apparent. If it is not on a list, she is not getting it done. <laughs> yeah, within the second or third chapter, she's made like 10 different lists. Yeah, it's and it's very like funny what, to me. What what recipes to get done, which again those pop up every few chapters. Uh yeah. who, who Again, to I related first. to that though. I literally have <laughs> during December each year my bullet journal for that month is like half full of just spreads for menus and what cookies I'm making (laughs) and you know what I have to buy for making Christmas day and whatever 
Yeah, and wild. it's exactly what she says because a lot of them are recipes, you know, from like her husband Pete, like his kids, their mother who's passed, like their favorite recipes that she would make. So she's trying I to do that. I thought that was goes, really sweet. Oh, it was adorable. Because this was uh, in the book, they made a point of saying this is their first Christmas spent as a big, like, new family. And so, yeah, she was learning the recipes from their family when they were kids, and she was making some Mm -hmm. of the recipes that she made for her kids when they were younger. So she was learning uh, her husband's late wife's recipes and making special things for him, and I just, I thought that was so sweet. It just just warms you up. It's it's almost as if, like, I'm probably the point of a cozy mystery, but it's like reading this warmed you up like a cup of tea or cocoa would. Like, you didn't need it. This book did it for you. Um, So I appreciated that. Made some really feel-good moments. Uh, And then, yeah, and then after, like I said, about halfway, it really does focus more into the mystery part. And it, it was a little repetitive, I think, in layout for me on it with that second half. As much as that was the half that picked up for me, I what just do you felt mean, like repetitive? kind of well, I get that in solving mystery she's just gotta investigate everybody, but it literally kind of felt like the same situation happened where she kind of was trying to be sleuthy, <laughs> ended up in uh talking to a person kind of that was a main point of interest, not how she had wanted to start the conversation, and then there's just kind of an exposition dump of okay, here's some answers to then do it again to the next person. And I, I get that with the mystery. Yeah, that's got to be kind of I didn't think that was bad necessarily, though. Partially, no. she is retired. I got the idea that this book in the series came out quite a bit after the other books. Me, me too. Uh, I didn't look that up or anything, but I'm assuming that when she's referring to it's been five years since my last case, I'm assuming that's what that means. Yeah. Um, And the dedication for this book was something about to all of the Sadie Hoffmiller fans yeah you made this happen so I get the idea that it's been about five years since yeah yeah the I, last like, book I've... came out and so I just got the idea that the character was a little bit rusty she hadn't done a case mm-hmm. in a while also she's a grandma so she's just oh, this yeah. cute little old lady wandering <laughs> around interrogating people she, she, and well, she keep she keeps dropping the line 59-ish. I am a 59-ish uh, like year old like solving this mystery or doing this. And she would always make the point like, I'm not 59, I'm 59-ish. And she would always throw that out yeah. there. And I thought that was so, hilarious. That didn't bug me because it seemed more than anything like it was a character quirk. Because she's a cute little old lady who hasn't done this in a while. And she's kind of wiping the dust off the gears well no and and i'm saying i I liked that like that her being quirky and messing up a little bit because she's been rusty and hasn't done in a while and and i agree it does feel like that maybe the last book was meant to be like the end of it all and then all of a sudden like maybe the fans demanded for one more so she wrote this as just this is just isolated kind of a fun epilogue to the series this is where how her life goes on and so but like i'm just saying with the way she kind of then got to the answer that felt like it was literally just kind of like check, check, check. Like it didn't feel like maybe there was some accidental discoveries or uh, like some surprises. It kind of just felt like it easily fell into the answer when I felt like I guess maybe I disagree, but I see why the point I'm trying to make. That. Yeah, and so, but yeah, after I see what the I sec- say. I think that was purposeful and careful. No, and wise, that's okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. And it made a good 
like I said, second half, I, I really liked some of the settings that she went into to figure out like the, um, the antique store, stuff like that. That that whole section I thought was great. Uh, mm-hmm. When yeah, that part was fun. Um, the the last bit of sleuthing and all that, and then just kind of her moments with Mary were sweet. Like yeah. uh, every moment with Mary, because uh, like sometimes I got the feeling that Mary, at the beginning, I was afraid Mary was going to be this like old curmudgeon, but she really was kind of like almost. No, she is feisty. Yeah, <laughs> Mary is kind of how I see myself when I am. 94 years old she's kind of how i see myself mixed between her and like the grandma from adam's family just real crazy you know no marbles left kind of where i'm at yeah so but but the layout was fine like i said i I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it felt like this was all of a sudden uh a a new novel like it wasn't planned like it was something for the fans and this was like Mm -hmm. a payoff for the love of that was given to her when she was writing the original books and so it's meant to be calm it's meant to be simple uh i think part of me just had some flowing issues but overall the story worked for me and yeah i i thought i had a plot twist guess of what the answer was going to be and it would have been funny but it was just okay here's here's the culprit but when we get into spoilers you'll have to tell me what you thought that was what the plot twist was yeah i'll definitely say but um and, but it did get me with the 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 who it was it like like I said it made it very apparent at a certain point so I was like okay they just need the final nail in the coffin yeah but when it got to that point I was like really it's something again we're gonna go into it when we talk about spoilers but the only thing I'll say now is it's someone that she talks to pretty early on mm-hmm. and is like you know just kind of discussing the case with kind of like uh, a Sherlock Holmes case if uh watson was behind it you know oh yeah where it's just kind of like (laughs) this person who's helping her and kind of on the outskirts and all that or um which which agatha christie is it the murder of roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. it's a uh poirot novel yeah and basically poirot is coming back from retirement and doing this case and needs a new friend to follow him around because his doctor friend that is in all of the other books i can't remember his name Mm. isn't in this book so he finds the town doctor and is like you're gonna follow on this case with me and then it ends up that he was (laughs) behind it it. (laughs) and so just kind of like that where it's someone that you know throughout the story but is not someone that you would think of for this yeah which i like so i like those stories a lot yeah and so that's kind of it for that. Uh, any extra thoughts you had? Do you want to go into favorite characters, scene quotes? I actually wrote down quite a few quotes in this one. Okay. Because, like you said, the dialogue, even not dialogue, but just the way it was written with mm. her inner monologue and whatnot was just so feisty, and I loved it <laughs> so much. Uh, on the back cover, when you read it, it talks about how she pulls these ornaments out and then tells Sadie that they're valuable and all that but there's this one quote that I wrote down that was just so funny to me that it says Mary fished out another priceless heirloom she'd chosen to store in a Walmart tote and wrap in dollar store tissue paper for protection where it's just (laughs) she's being so sassy in her inner monologue where she's like yep this thousands of dollars uh, ornament that is 
wrapped in two pieces of tissue paper and put in a plastic tub because (laughs) you are ridiculous. So the whole book was kind of like that. And it was just, it was very funny. I'll do mine just because for me, it was a very obvious pun. Because the the, the only moment I could say like that, I feel like I really liked the dialogue was when she's pinning it on the culprit when she's Mm. really kind of like, because she's not harsh, she's soft, but you can feel she wants to be harsh underneath because she's just kind of, she's also kind of hurt at the fact of who it turned out to be. And so just feeling that reserve I liked. But for me, it was the end of that chapter. It was a line from her husband. It was a pun. And I just laughed and I was like, okay, that sticks with me. Because obviously, I mean, it's not really supposed, but she does solve the mystery and things are okay. Um, So her husband says to her, you did it, Sadie. You saved Mary's Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, that's funny. I'm nailing that one in. And so it's just like, because it was such a a cheesy line that I felt like that would have been on like a Hallmark Channel movie, but it just actually just kind of was like, no that wouldn't have been on a hallmark christmas movie that would have been the title of a hallmark christmas movie oh right saving mary's saving mary's christmas (laughs) or a very merry christmas but spelled m-a-r-y like the name something like that totally the title or at least the tagline so (laughs) it was so that stuck with me but other than that like i said if there was a moment that i really got hooked in the dialogue it's when she was like okay we need to talk about why this happened and like mm-hmm. that that scene was really what uh and we do get a scene of the culprit talking about how it started and why it was happening mm-hmm. which again i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later but i really liked that as well yep. yep a lot of the dialogue in that explanation i thought was really nice yeah uh for favorite character uh i, I hmm I don't know. I kind of really enjoyed Joy. Mm. Um, Joy is the granddaughter. Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mary's granddaughter and who for the story, Mary is going to, she's the one that she's going to give the ornaments to and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because Mary wants, uh, Joy has had some sort of, it's almost, it's left out of mystery for a certain amount. Um, you know, Mary talks about Joy's had a, a troubled childhood, um, and you don't really know much about it. And even he, she herself doesn't know to what depths of troubled uh, Joy's childhood is. And so she wants her to have these, wants Sadie to help convince her once she's passed to sell them to use that money for her life. Which partially um, broke my heart. Like I oh, got yeah. why that was her goal in giving Joy these ornaments. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just because I'm so sentimental as a person. Yeah, it's just that the idea of being given these things that are so important to this person who was so important in your life and who you love so mm-hmm. much and then being like, now sell them. <laughs> and just that hurt my heart a little bit. It doesn't tell yeah. you in the end if Joy mm-hmm. sells them or if she keeps no. them. But I kind of hope that she keeps them, at least yeah. some of them. Right. So it, it broke my heart. <laughs> and so I, I like Sadie, obviously the main character and usually is the one I like just because it's who we're with the whole time. And like I said, I loved her yeah. sass. It's hard loved... not to like someone when you're in their inner monologue there. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved her, her mess ups at certain times, <laughs> the weird situation she got into, like when she meets Frank, Joyce boyfriend. I was going to say at one point she's interrogating someone sort of and trying to yeah. gather information without telling him who she is. And it's Joy's boyfriend. 
and he thinks that she's hitting on him the whole time. <laughs> and he gets really <laughs> awkward. She's like, I am happily married and so many decades your senior. <laughs> like, this is not, <laughs> so, this is no. not a thing. <laughs> it was so great. Um, but I don't know, something about Joy, there was just this, even though when we do learn what her past is, there was just this peace mm-hmm. with Joy, I felt like. So anytime we came to her, even though she was worried of for her grandmother, great-grandmother's ornaments as well, she just, there was this calm. Even when she kind of got angry at, in some scenes, she was sure of herself because you following Sadie weren't sure about her being sure of herself, but to realize that she was a character who did know what she wanted and what she was going for. I was mm-hmm. like, good. I was like someone my age who's got things figured out. <laughs> so right. It's like, possible. There's something <laughs> so, to look forward to. So, so there was, there was peace with joy. I liked that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed whenever she was in and, and Frank was funny because Frank, I liked like their interactions a lot. Yeah, especially with the fact that like his his way of talking was he was always just so awkward and didn't know how to speak to people yeah. that he was just kind of there was a lot of ums and a lot of like uh, I don't know yeah yeah this duh and it was just <laughs> kind of like okay Frank you're okay. <laughs> For me, I had Joy written down as like an honorable mention. My mm-hmm. favorite character I wrote was Mary, which I just mm-hmm. want to say, their last name is Hallmark, so it was Mary Hallmark which I just loved. <laughs> that Did I miss that? Made me very happy. And so oh I had God. Joy written down because their relationship and their interactions together were so sweet and I would say so pure and loving um, mm-hmm. that I just, any scene that Mary and Joy were both in made me really happy. Uh, yeah. But I wrote down Mary because, <laughs> like I said, she's, kind of to a certain extent how I think I will be as an old lady she was just she's very very sassy uh with her friends there was a lot of banter especially Fiona her best friend's name Fiona yes <laughs> when Fiona came in it was like oh god she's here again I can't get her to leave and you're still like, alive right you're still alive <laughs> what are you doing here things that you know you could say to your best friend but yeah. anyone else would be like wow this person's really mean. Why does she hate me? You know, yeah, things like right? that. And just so funny. And they, she and Fiona basically spent that entire day chatting and bantering back and forth mm-hmm. and just being super feisty and listening to movies, even though Mary couldn't watch them. And so yeah, they she's... listened to It's a Wonderful Life and Elf and while Fiona was knitting Harry Potter scarves. And it was just, <laughs> I really loved Mary a lot. But she also had her little things where she kept these antique ornaments that were gifted to her from her father because they they touched her heart so much as a kid uh-huh. and she's never had a Christmas tree without them and it talks about how even though she can't see anymore she still puts her hair up in a certain bun every day and it's just muscle memory it always looks perfect and yeah. she takes it down at night and puts her hair in a braid before going to bed and just things like that I just the details that we got about her were just, they were so sweet. And I just, I mm-hmm. really liked them a lot. Yeah, with Mary, it was, it, it was the feistiness. It was kind of just the calm. And even when the fact when she had, when she was a little stern, because uh, Mary has a daughter named Ivy, who's a prominent character, who is very judgmental, 
but yeah. you can tell has a soft spot. And so Sadie does a good job of being the bridge to try and reconnect Ivy and Mary and make that mm-hmm. relationship mend itself. So that's nice and sweet. Um, I will say I will have fun stand out like side characters, like literally just ridiculous characters who are for a scene. The Santa was funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the Frank's boss who resembled a Santa was great. Clint, I think. Clint. Clint. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was all these fun, like, definite, like, characters that, like, in a comedy, they were mm-hmm. just, like, the person that stole the scene. And you'd be right. like, I want to know what that act- who that actor was. And so there was a lot of those going around that were enjoyable. So I started this book on my Kindle the night before it got here in paperback. Mm-hmm. So I highlighted this mary telling a story quote because it was so long i didn't want to write it all in my journal which i usually do with all of these stories or with all of these quotes so that they're all in one place but i did save this one and i loved it so much and i want to pull that up like i said it's a little bit long it's not too bad but basically of the ornaments there is one that is broken and Mm -hmm. it is a glass candy cane that has a chip in the bottom. And as Sadie is helping Mary decorate her tree, Mary is telling Sadie this story of why it's chipped. And it's just the most endearing and charming thing, (laughs) I thought. So she says, When I was two years old, Mother found me under the tree, licking this particular ornament, and frustrated that it didn't taste like the candy ones we'd gotten from church. When she tried to take it from me, I pulled away, and the candy cane hit the window pane, chipping the end. She chuckled with nostalgia. Apparently, that was when I said mine for the first time, and my mother laughed and laughed. She always called them Mary's candy canes after that, and would give me a candy one after the tree was trimmed every year if I promised to wait to take the glass ones off the tree until after Christmas was over. (laughs) I just thought that was so cute, and that seems like a real story that a little kid would have. Like, that's a realistic story. I remember on our tree at home, like my parents' Christmas tree, there are, I don't remember what exactly they are. I want to say they're gingerbread or like a sugar cookie uh, dough or something. I didn't make one, which is why I don't know. Mm. But my brothers, when they were little, made these little Santa ornaments. And one of them is missing a foot because one of my brothers (laughs) tried to eat the Santa (laughs) ornament when they were little. And so that story that she told just really stuck with me as just the sweetest thing especially because of that santa on my parents tree i was Mm -hmm. just like this is a very real story and i i liked that (laughs) a lot i thought it was so sweet yeah fun cast of characters pete pete uh sadie's husband was nice because she because he's out in a different state so she's texting him all the time and it's funny because his texts were he knows his wife so well that it's like he could just tell and he texts her and he's like, are you doing illegal things? She's like, no. yeah. Are you breaking the law? Just... Cause he's a police officer. Like, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you doing something illegal? And she's like, and she oh, always no, tunnel. Texts him and like then... oh no, I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which so doesn't quite go th- over as well over no. text. But <laughs> and so the, the text, the text conversations between her and Pete were my favorite moments. Um, yeah. For a Those full scene, good. I enjoyed the chapter that was the antique shop because mm-hmm. That for me and that interrogation, that is where I, I feel like with a mystery, it's going to be when I discovered it. That's where it clicked for me. Oh, I know who it is. Mm-hmm. And then 
then I was correct after that point. But that scene, it got to a point where I was like, <gasps> blasphemy. And I, and I had it. And, <laughs> and so uh, even then with Sadie didn't have all the answers, but she was even then like, oh, I think I know what direction I have to head in. I don't like it, but I know what direction I have to head in. So that scene mm-hmm. for me was my standout. Okay. Like I mentioned earlier, my favorite scene, honestly, by far. There were a couple other scenes that got pretty close, but this one was just my favorite thing. So the scene in the mall, basically Sadie goes and is wanting to ask Joy some more questions, but she's at work in basically the Santa land, the Santa (laughs) photo op area of the local mall. And she can't get close enough to Joy, who is playing one of the elves. And this woman who works at the mall comes up to her and she starts getting mad. Like, oh my God, there you are. What has taken you so long? And she thinks that poor little Sadie is the one who is hired to be (laughs) Mrs. Claus. And the whole time she's like, this is terrible. I'm not old enough to be Mrs. Claus. And everyone else is like, yes, you are. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, so she ends up filling in for the Mrs. Claus so that she can talk to Satan, or I'm sorry, talk to Joy. And and in this scene, (laughs) when she is sitting with the Santa and she has this script, basically, where the kid comes up, each child to get their picture, and she has this script to follow along the lines of like, oh my gosh, Santa, you remember little Jimmy? He was so good. He's right here on the nice list. Little Jimmy, what would you like Santa to bring you for being such a good boy this year? And for some reason, all of these kids start confessing their sins to her. (laughs) (laughs) One of the little girls, first of all, calls her Nana Santa, which, again, I thought was the cutest thing. And am I going to teach my future children that that is a nickname for Mrs. Claus? Yes, I am. It was so cute. But this little girl is like, I killed all of the fish. And apparently she had taken all of the expensive fish out of her stepdad's tank at home and like took them for a field trip to the trampoline. And this other little boy comes up and is sobbing. It's like, I stole the Pokemon. And just all, all of these kids decide that they're confessing their sins to Mrs. Claus. And, and, for, and, I and for each it of them, was so cute. It was, oh God, I lost it there because for each one, like, then I'm she picks up, them up. It was and, so cute. Yeah, she basically then has to pick each of them up. She, I think she said like nine or twelve confessed to her, and yeah. she picks and each she one just up, kind of holds pats them, them on and, the back, and uh, does and, little laps with them while Santa talks yeah. to other kids. Yeah, and, and each kid took about 20 <laughs> minutes to calm, and then she puts them right back to Joy. Oh like, all right, get the kid out of here. So it has nothing to do with the story or with the mystery, but... It was such damn, a diversion from so the plot. I so much enjoyment out of that scene. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. I'm, oh, I'm was... literally tearing up oh, no, yeah, about it this was... scene because it's so funny to me. Well, because each time how she triggered it, it was the script. The script's what triggered it because they were yeah. like, oh, you remember how she was good. She's good again this year. So what do you want? And they would just immediately burst into tears and be like, I murdered crying. the fish. <laughs> I killed all the fish. Oh and my I just, gosh, that one was, was hilarious so to me. It was just, funny. <laughs> I took the fish to the trampoline. I was like, who comes up with this crap? Just... 
<laughs> well, that's the thing is when she is comforting this little girl afterwards before she takes her back to her mom, she's like, it's okay. You learned and you're not going to do it again. And now we know that only fake fish can, can go, go on to, to the, the trampoline. trampoline. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it, it was, was so cute. <laughs> oh, it was so ridiculous. It, it was it was okay. The, so oh, my God, yeah. Yours is much more related to the rest of the story. But, oh, my no. gosh. I... But that was like... That was definitely like the intermission if this was a play. Like this is what this is what took a break from the plot. Yeah, that's the act one finale. <laughs> is her going and being it like finally I'm gonna talk to Joy at Santa's village and it's gonna be great and I'm gonna get so much information. And then Shit, just... I'm Nana Santa. <laughs> and she makes some comment about how if only Joy was as easy to crack as these kids. Kids. <laughs> Oh, anyway, it was just the most delightful thing <laughs> that ever was. I loved it so much. Uh, well, from favorite characters, scenes, and quotes, this book had an extra favorite we got to try and choose because of yes. the constant drops of recipes. I told Dana to pick a favorite recipe or two because I was going to ask him about it. Yay! For me, <laughs> for me, let me look at the titles again. It's right in the front. Okay. Uh, well, one just obvious snow flurries. I did not discover that I liked those cookies till actually like two years ago, mm-hmm. and got obsessed with them, yeah. and just I, I had devoured those a whole down platter because I kind of want to add those to my Christmas cookies that I make this year. Right. The it, what, snow flurries for those is they're those like star shaped powdered sugar cookies with the jelly in the center. You see them on yeah, all so the Christmas they platters. Have, uh, lemon zest and like lemon oil and stuff Mm -hmm. in them so they're not quite as sweet and then they you take two star cookies and put i want to say it's strawberry jam or strawberry preserves in the middle and then you place the other cookie on top so that the points are alternating Mm -hmm. and then you dust it with powdered sugar so it's a nice mix of like sweet and kind of zesty and they're so good and it reminded me that i like those cookies and i, I kind of want to try and make them this year the the two that sounded interesting one i would definitely probably have made the candy cane crinkle cookies i wrote those ones down too because the i'm not the biggest fan of regular candy canes like i like the flavored ones like cherry or stuff like that but i'm it's they're too peppermint for <gasps> those me those ones are so sugary uh, but the <laughs> regular candy canes are too peppermint for me. So the idea of peppermint chunks in a cookie made me go, uh, but the fact that she said they melt in the cookie, that mm-hmm. interested me. So, it's so basically like this... those seem kind of like a regular sugar cookie base. Right. And then with, again, a little bit of uh, either lemon extract, if you are leaving them citrusy or peppermint extract, and then with um, crushed up candy canes inside the cookies and then you roll the balls of dough in, again, uh, powdered sugar, and you bake it. And they all mm. melt together, and they lo- they sounded really good. And then the one that sounded interesting that I know I won't try, but, like, the all the pieces of it together sounded like an interesting combo, the red and green salad. Mm. We were talking about that one a little bit before we mm-hmm. recorded. I didn't write that one down, but it stuck in my brain, and I remembered mm-hmm. specific things about it, so maybe I should have written it down. Uh, I have it right here. Uh, so it's two bunches of fresh raw broccoli cut into bite-sized pieces, a cup of sunflower seeds, a half cup of chopped red onion, which is optional, one cup of dried cranberries or pomegranate seeds, one cup grated Swiss or mozzarella cheese, a pound of bacon cooked crisp, 
cooled, drained, and chopped. And then you mix all those ingredients. And then the dressing is a cup of mayonnaise, tablespoon of red wine vinegar, and a tablespoon of sugar. So the yeah. dressing. See, I would leave really the bacon good. off, but I would mess with that salad. The thing for me that is that I'm so just. Good. I'm not the biggest broccoli fan, so I feel like I would just want to replace it with regular green leaf lettuce and see how that turned out. Um, I was the weird kid that loved all vegetables. Like, I would get home from school and I would make myself salads. Right. I was so skinny when I was little. It was so oh my nice. God. I used to eat salad all the time. And now I'm like, French fries? What? Please. Salad? Who is she? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I promise, Mom, I eat my, I eat my vegetables. So I also had the snow flurries and the candy cane crinkle cookies written mm-hmm. down. The other one that I wrote down was the orange cranberry bread, which that sounded, sounded intriguing. So good. I, unlike ninety percent of the population, I did not get into bread making in quarantine. I wanted to, <laughs> but all of the supplies were always gone, so I never got yep. to try it. I started making vegan banana bread but i feel like that doesn't really count uh because that's almost more of a banana based cake than a bread right in my opinion anyway but so i didn't get to try it making it i mean but i read this orange cranberry bread recipe and Mm. i just kind of sat back and i was like ooh. And I w- wish I could make it for the week of Christmas to just have mm-hmm. in the house and make toast with in the morning. Like, wouldn't that be so good? Yeah. Well, so then that makes me think of like mm-hmm. that, that, that super orange ham as well. There was a ham recipe in here. Oh, and it was yeah. Like a basic, the ham sounded a basic, good too. Yeah, a I almost showed Christmas that to ham. my husband. We, hopefully and in theory, my parents should be able to be here for Christmas this year. Okay. We... I want everyone to know we are being very safe. We're being very smart. We're all getting COVID tests beforehand. Like, don't come for us. We're being very, very cautious. Yep. Uh, But we're really hoping that they can come down and spend Christmas with us. And when we make big meals, my husband is always in charge of making the meat. Just because I have always been more of a veggie girl than a meat girl. Right. You know? So last year, he made a turkey and a ham. When his family was here, and they were so good. Uh, we figure we'll stick with one this year, but yeah, because my yeah. family is kind of like me, we don't need two meat options, but yeah. um, yeah, I, I almost showed him that ham recipe and was like, It, it just if it you sounded are very, looking for something different, this sounds really good. It sounded very sweet, and yeah. but I feel like it, it was able to be cut just a bit, yeah, and then add more the, sriracha the, and it would cut through their necks. Oh, yeah. And then the other one was just because it sounded so simple. This uh, the soup in a jar. Mm. This Which, is something that don't... Sadie does as a gift for neighbors and women in her yoga class. Just mm-hmm. a like, you're in my life. Here's something for the holidays, and it's basically all of the dry ingredients to make a vegetable soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no fresh produce and no liquids, but in a mason jar, like layers of dried onion beans you know whatever all the spices everything so that they could just dump the mason jar into a crock pot with i think veggie broth or something yeah it came with a note it it came with yeah it came with a note for like okay here's the two options you can do as the base and then put all (laughs) the stuff in the jar in it Mm -hmm. so i love doing stuff like that 
one of Nick's and my very first Christmases together, <clears throat> I wanted to do something for his parents. Mm-hmm. And do you remember a couple episodes ago when I had Wassel? Yes. The like spiked cider stuff. I basically sent them all of the dry ingredients to make a wassail along mm-hmm. with handwritten recipe and just said, add, you know, this much brandy because I can't send you that and add uh, <laughs> apple cider and then you're good to go. And so it was just reminded me of that. I like doing stuff like that a lot. And and there was a wassail recipe in here as well. <laughs> there was. It was a different one. Yeah. That was a more um, traditional wassail. But the last one mine to is not alcoholic through, so right the, the last one's not go out through all of them just because i feel like this is something people have done and i just never have the cheese ball mm, mm-hmm. as apparently like a dip yeah that is something that i know families who that is the first thing they make for all holidays so that it's yeah. ready on the day of it, i've never not... made a cheese ball but right. it's not I like frozen. it when I'm at it parties because I like cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically just like three <laughs> bases of cheese molded together into a ball, refrigerated yeah. so it hardens, coated in a nut, and then it's just a dip for like celery and carrots yeah, and all that. It, the base is cream cheese, I want to say. Yep. And then there's like cheddars or pepper jacks. Yeah. Excuse me, whatever you want to put in it, what other cheeses. And then things like onions and just stuff to add some more flavoring. And yeah, you roll it into a ball so that it is round (laughs) and you put it in the fridge or the freezer so that it hardens. And she rolled hers in nuts, but there's people, you can roll it in other stuff as well. Right. Like I said, I've never made it, so I don't remember off the top of my head. (laughs) But then you you take crackers and you like break pieces off. (laughs) Um but yeah, that's it for, I think, our favorite recipes. There were a lot of yeah. standouts. I'm interested to know what recipes are in all of the other books. Because I know yeah. that the book before this one is the one where she gets married to Pete. So definitely there's a wedding cake recipe in that one. <laughs> I mean, I doubt she makes her own wedding cake. No, no. But I think, like, kind of like how the big family candy cane cake was the last recipe, I think it's just like, here's a traditional, like, wedding cake that recipe. I really a cake person for the most part well that's not true i like cake i don't like icing which is funny but yes um, same well more cheesecake i love cheesecake is just always people put way too much icing on it it doesn't need that much nope uh (laughs) anyway that one looked really good too the Mm -hmm. candy cane cake oh let's see that is mainly it. Let me see if I want to share any of the other little quotes that I wrote down, and then we can go into spoilers. Yeah. There was one that I just spoke to my soul a little bit, uh, <laughs> and all it is is she says she felt her anxieties settle into a gentle walk instead of dashing through the snow as they had been, <laughs> and that just made me laugh, partially because I was like, wow, I feel attacked my anxieties through the roof but also just because there were little things like that where she would throw christmas into things that didn't need to be christmas and Mm -hmm. i don't know if that was a choice for the character just really liking christmas or if that was the author being like see it's a christmas book (laughs) but (laughs) but there were things where when she was counting the passage of time instead of being like one mississippi two mississippi Mm-hmm. that people do in real life right she was counting rudolph's and frosties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just things like that and 
they were all throughout the book. That's the only one I wrote down. But yep. it those were very funny to me. Again, I'd be interested to see if that was a character choice or if that was the author just purposefully writing a Christmas book. Right. Um, I think the only other main one that I wrote down was when she was talking about gossip because you talked about Ivy already, mm-hmm. uh, Mary's daughter, who I think her heart is in the right place, but she seems like kind of a judgmental person. Very uh, much. <laughs> and when they're first talking on the phone, she starts gossiping a bit about Joy's boyfriend, Frank. Yeah. And Sadie is talking about gossip in general, just in her inner monologue. And she says, first, it revealed details about the person being gossiped about. Second, it revealed an awful lot about the person sharing the gossip, which I just yes, I liked that, that a lot. That line I remember that one did stick with me. I did not underline it, but that one I was like, ooh, that was clever. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I liked that because it's kind of how I feel. I love being in on some drama as long as it doesn't include me. Like, <laughs> you can tell me the drama and I'll be like, oh my God, girl, no way. Tell me more. Spill tea, please. <laughs> right. As long as it's not about me, like, I will listen to the cows come home. But I liked that a lot as far yeah. as people who are actively gossiping about other people. <laughs> well, uh, we'll give a quick little ending for those who don't want to get into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about... Are we on the same page? Did we like it? I enjoyed it. I Like I said, for me, it was... Um, with the first half, it was very slow. But when we got to the second half, when it was more focused on the mystery and less about the kind of Christmas world building, it picked up for me and I did zoom through it. So it was enjoyable. Um, I don't know if cozy mysteries are a genre I might stick with, but part part of me is interested to go back and at least learn the beginnings of Sadie. (laughs) So that's how I feel about that. I liked it. I didn't have the issues with it that you did. It, Mm -hmm. I didn't find it as slow as you did, but it, you know, it's very laid back. Like I said, the stakes relatively to other mysteries and other, uh, you know, thrillers, whatever, other subgenres of the mystery overarching genre right. the stakes were really low and it was just it was a cute little christmas story got mm-hmm. to read about someone playing mrs claus in the <laughs> mall and she found some ornaments and people <laughs> cheered is just you know it's it's a really small story relatively right. but i really liked it i am glad that i read it i am glad that i have a copy it's something that i might reread again in the future it's mm-hmm. not something that I would go back and reread every Christmas season necessarily, mm-hmm. but it was cute. You know, it, yeah. it's worth reading, I think. Yeah. So with that, I think we're on the same page for it. Thank you all for listening. Who is not going to stick around for spoilers? Basically, the main spoilers just to talk about who done it and yeah. maybe the trail that led to it. And the rest and... of you, this is your official spoiler warning. Bomb, bomb, so, bomb. <laughs> so I think started. we should lead to it how the trail, I think just the main thing. There were three main suspects only, really. Yeah. So the first main suspect was one of the nurses, Carol. Mm-hmm. And she, and the reason why is because Sadie goes to her first to kind of start the investigation. And Carol's just acting weird yeah. right off the bat. She's the one you can tell in every mystery or thriller where the author from page one is like see this person did it (laughs) don't you think this person did it probably 
And sometimes they actually did. And you're like, yep. oh, yeah, cool. Called it. Yep. Yeah, every type of mystery has a character that the author's like, see, don't you think this person did it probably? At like 40 pages in. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. But Carol was very much that character where the author yeah. was like, it was probably totally Carol, right? Yeah. And so, and, and the reason why is because we learned that Carol, as a nurse, she had her license on suspension uh, and then she was put on probation because mm-hmm. of some bad stuff she did that possibly she did, possibly she didn't. But Yeah. There... It's one of those kind of gray areas. I worked in the medical field for a long time and so there's a lot of those but basically mm-hmm. like we can't prove that you did anything shady but we also can't prove that you didn't yeah someone so... else pointed a finger at you so uh yeah and so poor carol i felt bad for her later but she yeah once so you it, know it... spoiler alert that she didn't do it you feel really right bad for her <laughs> yeah and so it starts with carol and that kind of kicks off where she thinks okay she's very suspicious and so Sadie goes through some background. She talks to her friend Jackie, who's the head of the old home um, mm-hmm. of all the nurses. And she learns that, you know, Jackie is old friends with uh, Carol, that when Carol needed a job, Jackie was like, okay, I'll give you a chance. And that she's yeah. never regretted regretted hiring Carol. And so we're kind of like set calm for Carol then. So then we move on to Frank, Joy's mm-hmm. boyfriend. Because Which we, he... we didn't talk too much about him no. beforehand. He's a really sweet character. I yes. ended up liking Frank a lot. And I think, like I said, that his interactions with Joy were just so sweet. Yeah, but and... he is someone that people judge on sight a lot. Like, he has yes. a lot of visible tattoos. He has gauges. Gages. He has pretty long hair. Things like that. Which, I'm glad that he didn't end up being the guy... Because yeah. the first conversation with between Ivy and Sadie regarding Frank, and she's telling Sadie, like, oh my gosh, have you met him yet? Have you seen him? He's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he just looks terrible, and you know that it's true, and all of these things. And Sadie was like... Wow, yeah, I don't I don't know. He does when she sees him, he does kind of yeah. seem like a bad guy, and it was very <laughs> judging him on the surface and yeah it was to an extent that it almost seemed to me at one point that the author was like was kind of against this look on people you know and so I was honestly really worried that it would turn out to be him just because of that right and so I'm really glad that it didn't and it didn't well, yeah, go that it, way it would have broken joy's heart and then my heart would have been broken for joy right. so i i feel but like she couldn't just, like, end with on the that stereotyping that it would yeah. have been so much for me i would not have enjoyed the book nearly as much no if yeah frank had and been s- behind it yeah <clears> and so sadie then gets most of her information from joy about who frank really is and then she has a real talk with him after the one where she accidentally flirts with him <laughs> and she actually gets that. to know he was she, like i have a girlfriend she's like oh my god no i, I didn't I'm so sorry it's okay uh i could just so she, i could just picture her trying to disappear into her yeah, christmas just, sweater goodbye <laughs> uh and then she gets to have a one-on-one with him and she can tell like in, in what I liked is you could always see it click in Sadie's mind where she had the belief of this person didn't do it. Even yeah. if we didn't have all the information and didn't have a new suspect yet, this person did not do it. And when Sadie you had that You could tell relief, when her gut shifted to right. like, okay, I need to be looking somewhere else now. Yeah. And when her gut shifted, your gut was like, oh, I trust you. We're good. Yeah. So it then <laughs> shifted from uh, Frank to Ivy. 
because I forgot why they went to Ivy. Why did it shift to Ivy? Uh, so one of the nurse's aides had seen Ivy in the room the night. Late, right. Basically, the Joy comes in the day before Christmas Eve and notices some of the ornaments are missing. And so there's this long timeline, basically, of when they could have disappeared. I want to say it's 7 p.m. the night before to like 1.30 in the afternoon the next day. So it yeah. is a long stretch of time when no one knows when they disappeared. Yeah. Uh, and one of the nurse's aides, you find out about three quarters of the way through the book, saw Ivy there and wasn't expecting to see her there. And Ivy was standing next to the tree, had her hand inside her purse mm-hmm. and was very kind of skittish. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what you find out is obviously you hear this story three quarters of the way through the book. She didn't take all of the ornaments, right? No. And <laughs> these are pretty big ornaments like you in a book obviously don't know quite how big but you would assume about this big yeah her ornament except for for the candy canes for people not on youtube you you'd say probably like i don't know make a make a c with your thumb and index finger and yeah you know pretty big some of the ornaments that go missing i want to say five of them are like big fruits like fruit shaped ornaments yeah half of them pretty big Half of them are glass and half of them are cardboard, which are yeah. the more valuable ones. So the cardboard ones. ones she might have been able to fit in her purse, but there's no way she could have put the fruit ones in there. No. So you know even then that she didn't steal all of them. You do find out she did take the candy cane that was missing, which chip. is the one from Mary's story, mm-hmm. which I guessed that from the very beginning. As <laughs> soon as the one candy cane that went missing was the sentimental one, I yeah. was like, cool, so that's the daughter that mary is fighting with right and i was right and she gives her reason and it's sweet she basically gives it that because you learn very beginning (laughs) that mary has her all her stuff in storage and everything is labeled Mm -hmm. with the help of ivy and the help of sadie uh for who to go to the executor of her will and so ivy knows exactly what is going to everyone and so she knows that mary is leaving all of the ornaments to joy and she knows that they are valuable monetarily but she doesn't even give that as a reason she just has always had this really tough relationship with her mom and looking at the will and you know being a part of making that official and carrying out her wishes she knows that her mom isn't leaving her anything of hers and anything you know that meant anything to her and she gets really sad about it so she takes the candy cane and she brings it back because she feels really guilty taking it. And she puts it back on the tree. And then Mary is like, I, I know you probably won't want it. But if you want it, I want to give you my candy cane. And she starts crying. And I started crying. And it was just beautiful. And then, and then Sadie looked at, uh, no, I'm sorry. Ivy looked at Sadie like, did you tell did you her? Did you tell her? <laughs> and, I, and Sadie's like, I didn't do it. So it was just like perfect. And it's funny because yeah. she just puts it back on the tree. And then she had it wrapped in bubble wrap in her purse, just puts it back on the tree. And then she's like, you can take it. Let's find something safe for it. And Sadie's like, oh, I have bubble wrap in my I purse. I happen and- to have bubble wrap in my purse. <laughs> and Mary's like, why the hell do you have bubble wrap in your purse? never know when you'll need it um (laughs) which so then very funny so then that shifts to um sadie does steal she breaks into the employee lounge she breaks some rules some big rules considering it's a medical facility she 
Yeah, breaks into the file cabinet with breaks all the of cabinet. the personal health information and all well, the and, Pippa and everything. And it's just... And she breaks into the lockers and she steals Carol's planner where she learns that planner... Oh, for yes, so- I forgot oh. about that. Oh, yeah. Well, first, where she learns Carol, for some reason, coincidentally, has the information of multiple missing items from multiple residents and a eBay name attached to them and pricing and sold slash shipped slash not shipped. And you're like, oh, my God, she's selling them online on eBay. Which, again, so she- even if at that point you still thought it was Carol. It's not. <laughs> there's no way at that point that it was still Carol. Uh, well, no, she has all of this information in her planner and it was too easy to find. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing is I thought then I was like, okay, so she did the thing where she puts the red herring at the beginning and then turns out, oh, it's going to be her. But then I did get the thought, oh, no, she personally wants to find out who's stealing these. And that's what you learn is she has the log because she has noticed these things missing and she wants to track down the thief as well. She's been doing it for the three years she's been working here. And so... You learn that she's sisters to a man who owns an antique shop, a man who just so happens to have given Mary an offer a few, like a while ago yeah, for like all the ornaments. the estimate on her ornaments and a few other things in her estate and so wanted another co- very badly to buy them. <laughs> another coincidence. And so Sadie goes there undercover, but then Carol shows up and they have a one-on-one conversation in the back room where she reveals that, no, I've been trying to track it down. But she still acts sketchy because then when Sadie drills her and says, well, you know something, she can tell she knows who it is. Carol responds with, I need a lawyer. And you're like, that's just 101 guilt there. But I know well, it's I not loved you. When Carol was saying it, though, and again, at this point, there was no way that it was Carol because right. everything was lining up too nicely to be Carol. Right. But she says... I'm not going to keep talking to you without talking to a lawyer. Like, I'm sorry. I know how guilty that makes me look. And I promise I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. But I can't keep talking to you without talking to a lawyer first. Right. And then that's where it clicked for me. Because then we already have our next suspect. And it's proven. Is that she says that she's protect. She she doesn't say it. But Sadie can tell she's protecting someone. And the narration says that she knows she's protecting someone. So you as a reader... Well, me, for someone who didn't guess it, I went, who, who is she in, protecting? Yeah, who in the retirement home would and she feel this strongly about protecting? And it's the person who gave her her second chance, Jackie. And who is in charge of her evaluations to see if she gets her nursing license back. And so then Sadie goes back, <clears throat> breaks into Jackie's office, and finds With the- so much personal health information <laughs> in it just as someone who's worked at hospital hospitals right. and stuff i was like there's it's so illegal there's so much stuff in there that you can't look at and it's funny because she also texts pete because pete is doing background information before he gets on the flight back and she's constantly texting him and then he goes are you from being the illegal? airport on his cell right. phone that was stressing me out a little bit yeah. like and oh my so god he- this poor guy let him be <laughs> and talk so to someone she, else <laughs> she she texts him again is like i need to know this he goes okay are you getting anything illegal again she goes oh look another tunnel another and then tunnel. leaves so weird. <laughs> and so oh you're she breaking up in, right she breaks into jackie's office and finds basically that the missing incident reports of the missing items but she can tell their copies and that mm-hmm. then they were blacked out and never filed to corporate so then yeah, basically she used white out so when a new resident comes in Mm-hmm. They and their next of kin write down everything that they're bringing to the home with them. Yep. 
including anything that would be of value, you know, whatever, so that there's record of what is in their room. And they sign it, and their next of kin signs it, and she has to file it appropriately. And the ones that were on Carol's list as having something go missing, when she looks at those intake forms, Mm -hmm. you can tell that something in the list had been whited out and then made a copy of so that you couldn't see the whiteout on the paper. Right. You couldn't see the original. And then all of the incident reports that had the missing item, those were the ones that weren't stamped and signed for corporate. Yeah. And so... And they were missing. The older ones were missing. Yeah. The newer ones had not been filed properly. Yeah. And so she calls a detective that's a friend of Pete's and basically they they catch her they 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 corner her in the room and she confesses and her reasoning is basically she had one resident who had an old tea set she polished it took care of it and because he was going to be gone soon he said please take it and she wasn't allowed to take it he was so touched that she wanted to take care of his things for him yeah and so then she has it has no room for it and just decides to sell it and give the money to her kids who are grown up and struggling and stuff like that. She has and she was saying too. basically, you know, there's always something that comes up that I don't have money for. Right. Like my daughter got laid off and she and her husband couldn't pay their mortgage or my I got into an accident and my car needed new tires, like something like yep. that, that we all always run into and there's never enough money in the bank. So yeah. it's a very understandable, understandable motive, motive. But yeah, it's heartbreaking because, because the way you... that they lure her back there to uh, confront her also yeah. is they have the head nurse on staff. It's Christmas Eve, so she's home with her family, and they have the head nurse that's in that day call her and basically say there's an emergency with Mary and we mm-hmm. need you here. And so she runs to Mary's room and she's like, oh my gosh, what's happened? What can I do? And so there's even in her inner monologue, Sadie's, a line about how ironic it is that her commitment to her patience is what is going to catch her in the end right. and what's going to get her there. Because she so does it's care. Just, it's so sad. She that, does that part care made about me her. Really sad. Well, yeah, because she does care about her patients, but she took advantage of them, and it's just painful. And so you learn that it, it's a felony because you learn that she had accumulated over $14,000 in, like, sales of all the stuff that she had taken. Because yeah. she would underprice it so it would sell fast and it would go away. And it and was multiple would... felonies, too. So right. I didn't know this, uh, but it's in the book, so I assume the author did research and that it's a real yeah. thing. I, I guess. I don't know for sure. <laughs> but she so that these things aren't going missing from the home and then the next day showing up on eBay with their town as the place that the shop is located. Right. Um, her son, who lives in Texas, is helping her sell them and helped her create the eBay and whatnot. So she uses mm-hmm. his town as the location of the shop, and, but is sending them from her town. And so apparently that is a felony too i would not have known that but giving the the wrong address you've got two at this point unless you're gonna do your own (laughs) research assume that the author did it and that that is true (laughs) yeah um and and so it wraps it wraps up the catcher she's gonna go to jail and sweet little sadie was going to with pete 
pay for her bail yeah, so she could so have she could Christmas, with her, Christmas with her family. Family, because all of her, her kids came into town for Christmas. Yeah, but the kids so did it on their own bad. anyway. And then the epilogue and everything kind of wrapping up. It almost seems like kind <gasps> the of a, epilogue. It, was so oh my sweet. god! It almost seems like a bittersweet ending because basically mm. Pete makes it back. Uh, mm-hmm. there and the kids don't the storm Which, happened too fast yeah the whole book you're hearing about this big snowstorm they're expecting at least 14 inches of snow like making it impossible yeah. to travel and so like we said in the very beginning she's planning this huge family <laughs> christmas this first family christmas and she's learning all these recipes and all these things and she's just the whole book so sad and so anxious and she's worried that her husband isn't going to fly home in time and mm-hmm. you know the kids and the grandkids they won't be able to fly in or travel and and, and i thought it was going to be stick the landing of a realistic ending because pete makes it back and that's what's sweet yeah. but the kids and grandkids the don't. don't and so i thought it was going to be okay so she's going to be content because she at least saved mary's christmas yeah. and that it was going to be okay well then the epilogue Throughout the book, you kept getting hints and knowing that there was neighbors who were moving into Mary's house. That but was that her neighbor's house. Sadie had never seen them. She just, every they once dropped... in a while, saw the lights on. And she yeah, was like, who's moving cook... in in the middle of the night? Who has all these right. construction workers coming in? They're changing her house. <laughs> They're ruining it. She would leave plates of cookies for them, too. And they would take the cookies, but no thank you notes, no returning of the yeah. plates. And so she's like, I just don't get it. So Pete pressures her. He's like, hey, let's go give her the extra cake. Give them the extra cake you made. She goes, yeah, no, because she Christmas. makes, uh, you mentioned the his late wife's the recipe candy cane of the cake. candy cane cake. That she basically said, okay, I will make another one whenever the family gets here and we can have mm-hmm. our late Christmas celebration. But I'm going to still make this this morning because my husband deserves a treat. Like, he's been working so hard. He's been so right. good to me. And so she still makes it. And she's like, hey, you want to just eat this entire cake for dinner tonight? And he's like, no, let's take it to the neighbors in Mary's house. <laughs> and the whole time she's been so sad that someone else is moving into Mary's house and changing it. And she's like, hell no, I don't want to do that rude why i worked so hard on this for you and he's like come on and they do and it's her family and all of the kids and i miss my family a lot so i'm like (laughs) getting emotional y'all the the christmas vibes and the being far away from my family are getting to me well yeah the and so it turns out the the entire family's in that house and you learn that basically them pull it off and yeah he uh, he bought the house and it's going to basically be it's going to basically be a home for when all their family visits but when their family isn't visiting they will rent it out to other families who want their families to visit so it's basically a second home for all their relatives but then also for so they don't have to move into this house uh that i want to say is just like two houses over from them or something it's in their neighborhood but basically earlier in the story she's talking to pete and is saying, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure about these people that seem to be moving in. It looks like they're changing everything. And I don't mm-hmm. want them to take away everything that made it Mary's house. And yeah. he says, well, you just are sad because you wanted us to buy it. And she's like, no, no, it's too much space. It wouldn't make sense for the two of us. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice when family visited, but like, it does not make sense. Right. And so, yeah, Pete and the kids all like work together to make this surprise for her and they buy the house they are 
making sure that everything is in working order. They're replacing the carpet. Just really little, minimal changes. Yeah. Um. So and they they call it Mary's place, and they keep and everything it's a home away from home. Pretty much the same, and that <laughs> way, like you said, when they come into town, they have somewhere to stay. Every room has a king size yeah, bed queen. and oh, yeah. uh, a bunk, bunk bed. bed. So you can, you can fit, fit 40 people. Yeah. 40 tons people in and this tons. house. So many more people than you would ever need to fit in one house. Holy crap. Do not ever put me in a house with 40 people in it. Oh, no, 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 no. But and and it's then, so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's bawling and he's bawling. And then the final note, the end of the uh, epilogue. Uh, well, that was the final chapter. So then the e- actual epilogue is... The kids are gone. It's it's you learn that Mary passed on December thirty first, right at the end of the year, which was her and wish. Everyone, she wanted yep. to have one more Christmas with her family and then survive just another couple of days, uh, so that her family wouldn't associate Christmas with her passing. Right. Which she broke my heart a uh, little bit. She gives out all the stuff. She gave her ring to Frank, who then decided to propose the oh day before Mary's death. I forgot death. about that, but again, I died. <laughs> so apparently when Joy and Frank were visiting her one of the days, she like slipped her wedding ring off and snuck it to Frank and was like, this is for whenever you're ready. And two days later or something, the day before she passes, he decided, I'm ready. And proposed yep. to Joy with her wedding <laughs> ring. Oh and my so God. it's talking about the memorial and everything at Mary's place and at this old house. Yeah. And how everyone is trying so hard not to be sad. And they're trying to remember it as how happy her life was and all of that. And how everyone is so excited because and then, at the memorial, Joy is wearing her ring, and it's ugh. I'm gonna start crying again, y'all. No, my emotions the, are all uh, over the place. <laughs> and then the quick wrap up of it. Uh, then Sadie and Pete get their gift from Mary, and it's basically a quilt that Mary and Sadie quilted together. Which and, again, and, I think you have to assume is in a previous book. Right, and so and it's just a, and then there's just like a love letter on there about cherish each other. Time is, yeah. you know. You can't waste it and all that. And I didn't write down any of that letter, but a couple of no. pieces were really beautiful. A couple pieces of the letter. She basically, it's a quilt with, I can't remember if it was just the pattern or if it was the fabric that was used, but it's uh, intertwining wedding rings. Yep, yep. And it's supposed to be, she said in the letter that it's a quilt that she had made and given to all of her newlywed friends and, you know, mm-hmm. all of her grandkids and her kids when they got married. And she made some sort of comment in this letter about how, you know, love and life are like the quilt and you kind of just have to let it come together piece by piece. And it's not until it's over that you see it was a masterpiece. And it was just, it was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. There and were a couple then, pieces that were a little bit more religious than I felt they needed right. to be, but that part was really pretty. <laughs> so, you want to know what my theory was? Yes, tell me what what was your like, I twist thought ending? It was I thought it was going to be hilarious cuz the whole time Sadie is avoiding telling Mary that the ornaments are missing because You Mary's thought Mary blind. hid them? So the whole time Mary is blind and doesn't know that they're missing, so she wants to if best she can, 
not let her know that they're gone and get them back to her before she even realizes they're gone which at one moment for a plot twist half of them did get sold but they got them back um yeah so I thought because the entire time she's avoiding telling Mary, there was a little bit of a discussion early on where she was like, are you sure you don't want to keep some of them? I thought it was going to turn out that Mary took off her favorites to then maybe be buried with or something or keep. And so the whole time she's avoiding telling Mary. Mary stole her own ornaments. (laughs) And that the whole time, if she had just been, and it was going to end with her failing this investigation, nobody pans out. She tells Mary and Mary goes, they're in the closet. Yeah, they're (laughs) right here. Why? What are you freaking out? about right and i thought it was gonna do that and i would have died laughing when you said you thought it was gonna be a twist ending i figured you thought it was joy and that maybe you thought it was going to be a twist that joy because she doesn't know until the very end that these ornaments are being left to her she also doesn't know how uh, much they're worth yeah how much they're worth and so i when you said that i thought you were going to have assumed it was joy and she was wanting to like keep a couple of things that meant so much to her that, grandma. That too. I thought maybe she was going to jump the gun, take things like Ivy, jump the gun, take things that meant to her. So I had that too. But then I thought, oh my God, it kept making a point to bring up the fact that she would not tell Mary. I was like, oh my God, Mary took some off to keepsake. <laughs> that would have like, been oh really funny. It would have been great. And then it would have just been a happy ending. So, but no, there, there was a culprit and it was sad that it was one of Sadie's, you know, old time friends and stuff, but it was a uh, little bit heartbreaking, especially like we said, with her reasoning and everything, it was just, and how much she really did care about the people living in the home. It, It was very sad. Yeah. So yeah, but that's it for the book. And as we said before we did the spoilers, we're on the same page with it. We enjoyed it. It's got some great comedy. It's a nice, simple little mystery to get you by um, if you need something to fill between big reads or some something. Some fun relationships, some fun banter. But other than that, it's just, it's a really light read. It's not going to take too much brain power. It's, yeah. Which is nice. So. I need some of those reads <laughs> to finish off this right. heck of a year. You know, to impress Goodreads. Wow, rude. I am at 83 right now. So There you go. Trudging along. Trudging. I don't know. Words are hard. My brain is tired. You're good. All right. So you want to start the wrap up where they can find us? Heck yes, I do. Let me pull it up really quick. Because I always forget something if I don't pull it up. Or like one episode, I definitely gave the wrong username for instagram because i gave the same one as twitter which it's not (laughs) it's fine i put it in the show notes it's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) nobody called me out on it uh so anyway wrapping us up (laughs) you can email us anytime at the same page pod at gmail.com if you have any books that you think we should read for the podcast any questions collaboration requests Maybe if you've read one of our upcoming books already and you have a topic or question you'd like us to include, please absolutely send us an email. We would really love for you to be a part of the conversations with us. If you want to reach out to me specifically, you can find my blog on tacklingtbr.home.blog as well as on Instagram at tackling underscore TBR. And as for the podcast, you can find and connect with us on Instagram at the same page podcast, on Twitter at the same page pod, and you can find us on both Facebook and YouTube just by searching for the same page podcast. And we are, I don't think we said it in the, ooh, I just hit my desk with my <laughs> knees. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, hmm. 
I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode, but we are officially on Amazon Music now as well. So you can search for us there as well, the same page podcast. And the last thing that I'm going to say, as always, if you're listening to our show and you like what you hear, please consider uh, heading to Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever it is that you listen to us, and subscribing, leaving us a positive rating, and if you feel like it, even leaving us a review. It just, it means so much to small shows like us. It only takes a minute of your time, and it helps Mm -hmm. us get introduced to more bookish folks. Ah, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week with another episode. Our kind of hack check-in, half of yes, reviewing our of our Yes, our episode next year. week is going to be... We're not going to do two check-ins per month strictly no. like we have in the past for a check-in. Uh, just because not to call you out, that would be a little <laughs> bit difficult for you since you wouldn't yes. have read much in between those. Uh, right, so it's right. going to be more of a bookish discussion. So our mm-hmm. episode next week is going to be our favorite reads, watches, and listens of 2020 to celebrate the Ooh. end of the year. Yeah. And so we'll see you all next week with that episode. We're actually just going to record it now in like 30 seconds. We but are. You yes. have fun. We, you have Long fun enough for me week. to end this Zoom call, save the video, and start another one. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you.